Well, a great big morning to our online community, the C3 Powerhouse Online, the C3 Powerhouse Melbourne East. Can we say good morning, church? Welcome. So glad that you're with us. Delighted to have you here today. We've been praying for you. And if it's your first time joining with us today, I'm just praying and believing that you will enjoy this morning's service, that your heart will be encouraged by God's Word and by His presence, that you'll leave this service today changed, uh, higher, uh, just in a whole better place and a better space because of the presence and power of God and of His Word. Come on, one more time. A big welcome. Love you guys. So good to have you with us. Looking forward to tonight is at 6 p.m. is what we call once a month a night of power uh, where we pray and believe for God to do healing and the miracles uh, to turn situations around that are impossible and, uh, and just really to get on fire for God. So that'll be live streamed at 6 uh, Queensland time, 7 Melbourne or Daylight Savings time. So look forward to your joining with us tonight. Uh, I've been praying for us, church, over the last little while. Our dream for the decade starts with these words. I wrote it on the 1st of January on a plane coming back from Sydney. And it was seven things that I'm dreaming for for our church for this next, the 20s, for this decade. And the first thing was I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God. And when I pray for us for revival, revival is not just lots of people coming into the church. Revival starts with us. Revival starts with our spirits being revived, our spirits being awakened, our spirits coming to a a, a live place with God that they haven't perhaps been for a long time. And I'm praying daily for all of us to be revived, to come alive, for that spirit of revival to come on us. I pray for five specific things that would be the markers of revival in your heart and in my heart. Those five things are that we would have a hunger for the Word of God, that nothing else will satisfy satisfy us like the Word of God satisfies us, that we won't fill up with junk food and other options, but we'll fill up with the Word of God in our spirit. We'll have a hunger. We'll have a a thirst for His presence. We'll love to be in His presence. We'll love to worship. We'll love to pray. There'll be something about us that just wants to be in the presence of God because we're on fire and in revival, that we'll have a, a passion for God's people. There will be a deep love in our hearts for one another, just as there was in the early church where they served and loved and and laid down their lives for one another, longed to be together, that the mark of revival in your heart and my heart would be a deep passion for God's people, that there would be a holy awe amongst us, a fear of God deep in our heart, a strong desire to live a life that's holy and honoring to Jesus as a mark of revival in our hearts. And finally, that we would have a burden for the lost, an urgency to reach our family, to reach our friends, to reach our workmates, our schoolmates, our neighbors, the mission field that God's placed us in. But there would be an urgency in our heart to reach people. To me, they are the marks of revival. And I'm praying in your heart that these these the, the heat turns up on the inside that all of us have a sense of the fire of God on the inside of us. If you're with me, just say yes and amen. I want a fire of God. I can see it. I see it on different people's lives and I want it to spread throughout our church. Hey, uh, last night of power and you can go band. You've done such a great job. Thank you. We're going to be with us tonight. 
One of our online campus uh, members who got saved, uh, who came into a relationship with God because of our online services through COVID, uh, her name's Casey Short, and she came and she was actually here for the service, and good morning, Casey, as you're watching online, and she stood up here and shared her story. She's a sister of Sandy Short, and uh, who's a great member of our church, great leader in our church, and Casey talked about her life had been crippled with anxiety. Like not just every now and then feeling anxious, but crippled with anxiety. That it would be common for her three times a week to end up in hospital with panic attacks where she thought she was going to die. Her capacity to live life at any level of normal was robbed because of this anxiety that overwhelmed her life. And she stood up and shared as she began to watch our church services online and as she began to do the, a course called Alpha, introducing her to, the, to Jesus and Christianity, she stood up and testified how in the last few months she's been set free from anxiety, that she hasn't had a panic attack since, that she's become confident, she's become a leader. She's, she, I mean, she stood up on stage and shared her story, something she could never imagine herself doing. And as she shared it, it, it stirred in my heart for so many of us and so for so many of people we know and so many that we don't know that God has a miraculous answer to every problem that we face. And this morning, I want to share, I want to begin a series that we're going to do called But God. But God. Say it after me. But God. Pastor Phil Pringle wrote a book a number of years ago, and I'm sort of stealing the title and some of the concepts of it, but he did a Bible study and found over 60 times in the Bible the, the phrase, but God is, is included in the word. And so, so often it's a situation where it looks terrible, but God came through and did a miracle. The three times that are the most standouts are about when Jesus was crucified. In Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says this, You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, Jesus, but God raised him from the dead and we're witnesses of this fact. I want you to say this morning after me again, but God. Come on, those of you online, just say it out loud, type it in the chat, but God. Genesis chapter 50 is another similar kind of verse, one of those 60. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid for I am in, a, in the place of God. As for you, they'd betrayed him and sold him into slavery. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, I like it when God's butt gets involved in my world. Come on, somebody. I like it when God just sort of shovels along and clears out some space and says, you need my butt in your life, in your circumstances, in your world right now. Some, someone knows. Some of you right now, you're facing some circumstances and, and it's, it, you know, the, the stakes are high for you. Which reminds me of a joke I read recently which said, what happened uh, to the cows that were all fed cannabis? And they said, well, the stakes got pretty high. <laughs> so anyway, just dad jokes, just helping you out. But for some of you right now, the stakes are high in your life. The situation you're facing, it's not, it's not a flippant situation. It's a serious situation. And you need a but God. You've got all of the first half of your testimony. 
the terrible things, the situation gone wrong, and you need God to come and inject His but God in the middle of your circumstance. And over the next three weeks, we're going to preach into this and build faith for us together. We're going to build faith for supernatural breakthrough. It's the year of supernatural breakthrough. God prophesied it over our church. There's three months left. If I know anything about God, He has a habit of leaving His breakthroughs until the very last moment. In fact, next week I'm going to preach a message called Suddenly. God seems to take a long time to move suddenly. And that's what I want to preach about next week. But today we're going to look at at one of my favorite but God stories in the Bible. We're going to look at five principles around supernatural breakthrough and having a but God moment. And I know it's going to help you and encourage you. And even just being in the atmosphere of faith will marinate into your soul, into your spirit, and you'll find yourself beginning to believe again. That's my prayer. Beginning to hope again that what's impossible in the natural will, will be possible with God. God is not restricted to, to natural rules. He's not restricted to doctor's reports. He's not restricted to financial reports. He's not restricted to what happened in your family generation after generation. He's the one who can turn things around again and again. And the book that I want us to look at is the book of Esther. I love the book of Esther. And I'm, I'm hoping that maybe this week uh, you'll go and, because I, I didn't have time to read the whole book, but I'm hoping this week you'll go into the Bible and read the book of Esther and you'll watch a phenomenal but God story unfold. And we're going to draw some principles out of it. But the first thing, so let me just give you a little bit of a synopsis of the, the book of Esther in the Old Testament found before Psalms. So just before the halfway in the Bible. Esther, the story of Esther happens in a season where God's people, the Israelites, had been taken captivity uh, and they'd, they'd lived in Babylon for 70 years. They'd been taken out of Jerusalem. They'd become slaves essentially because they turned their back on God. And so in that period of what we call it was the exile, they were under the Babylonian kings and then, then eventually after their 70 years, they were released and they were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and Ezra went back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and people were given permission to go back. Not, and numbers of them did, not many of them did, but numbers of them did. Some stayed in Babylon, some actually moved to Persia, which the Babylon kingdom got overthrown by the Persians. And, and so then they moved to Susa, which was the capital of Persia. And in this next period, this is the period we find uh, the book of Esther is written in, where the Persian king is the ruler over, over the known world. It's the kingdom of Persia in this time. And then it goes on, his son takes over. And if you ever watch the movie 300, that's the period of time that that whole battle against the Spartans was fought. Okay, this is, that's the, the sort of concept of it. And so in this period of time, well, while the Jews, although they've been allowed to return to Jerusalem, that they still have not risen back to their former glory. And the first thing I want you to know uh, from God in the principle of having a but God experience is God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. It's, it's what, what would be called a promise. 
comes through a prophecy, but it comes where God, He's already, and we talked about this in our purpose-driven life, or what on earth am I here for? Before the beginning of time, God made plans for your life, purpose for your life, significance, not just success, but significance for your life. And He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for C3 Powerhouse Melbourne East right now. He's got a plan for our online community. He's got a plan for us together as one church. And so he works to position things for his plan to come to pass. God's the ultimate chess master. It's incredible how God can work behind the scenes, sometimes even hundreds of years beforehand, to time things perfectly for us. He's, he's, his plan is working. Just think of it. One day, God knew that Jonah would, would reject his prophetic word to go and preach to Nineveh, and he knew he would be on a boat one day, and God, uh, he, he created this tiny little fish with a massive appetite who built over and over. He just ate everything that got in his road. This fish became so massive. All the fish just avoided it at all costs. And so in God's perfect timing, the day that Jonah, it was in the middle of a storm and was thrown overboard, this purpose-built fish was there, the whale. God is the ultimate chess master in your world. And I want you to know, although it may not look like it right now, He's got a plan. And God's plan for the children of Israel in this season was to put uh, Esther, who was a Jewish girl, into, to become the queen of the kingdom. And you can read about how that happened, quite miraculous. But this girl called Esther, she was a, an orphan. Her parents had died and she was chosen because she was beautiful and there was something about her to become the, the queen of this Persian king. And she'd been raised by her cousin, uh, whose name was Mordecai. He was an older cousin and he raised her. He tutored her, he treated her, and Mordecai became one of the palace guards. He, he was at the gate of the palace of Persia, so he was a royal official. And in this particular moment of God's plan, Esther became the queen. And you'll find that that's exactly what God does in your life. He sets up divine moments that were always in his plan. That's the first thing. In your but God experience, God's got a plan. Say it out loud. God's got a plan. All right, the second thing I want us to know is this, that when God's got a plan, the devil has a scheme. For every plan that God's had that's been revealed, the devil has a scheme. Now, until the plan is revealed and God speaks it out with a prophecy or a promise or a word that comes alive or something in your heart, the devil's in the dark. But as soon as it gets prophesied, as soon as it comes to you and you write it in your journal and you begin to speak out loud of this particular thing that God revealed to you, then the devil begins to go to work on his whiteboard in hell and, and work and go, now here's my scheme of how I'm going to offset God's plan. And he schemes and he works and he, and he goes hard. And so in this particular moment, the devil begins working or the enemy begins working. And a, a, a person called Haman becomes the prime minister. God's person becomes the queen, but Haman becomes the prime minister of the Persian kingdom. And he walks every day out in front of the palace guard and Mordecai, a Jew, refuses to bow down to him because he'll only bow down to one true God. And this triggers him. He's like, everybody should bow down to me. He's on a power trip 
Everybody needs to bow down to me, exactly like the devil. Everybody needs to bow down to me. I'm, I'm the prince of this world. He's, he's working it like that. And so he's so triggered, he finds out that the reason that Mordecai does not bow down to him is because he's a Jew. And so he makes a plan. He makes a scheme, and it's not just to kill Mordecai, but it's particularly to destroy. And we find it in Esther chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes, which is the name of the king. So he looked, he, he, and he basically made a rule. Let's have a look at Esther chapter 3, verse 13. He got, went to the king and he got this rule. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March the 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. Quite an incentive to kill the Jews. God's got a plan. The devil's got a scheme. He's got a scheme against you and against your, your purpose in your life. One of the, the key things, and we call this the principle of kingdom reversal. Kingdom reversal is God declares his plan and then the enemy comes in and starts to reverse circumstances. And essentially, it's like God says, I'm going to heal you and you get sicker. God says, I'm going to prosper you and you know, everything starts blowing up in your house. God says, I've got a great career and promotion and favor for you, and you lose your job. It's just, this is the way kingdom reversal. The enemy hears the promise, and he goes, I'm going to rob them of faith, and I'm going to start upsetting them, and I'm going to start, and his main aim is to get you to take your eyes off the promise of God, the plan of God. His main aim is to get you upset, to get you, to get you in unbelief, to rob the seed of the Word of God out of your heart so that you move out of the place of faith. And then so often what we do is we go, oh, well, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe that's not God's promise. It might be God's promise for them, but it's not God's promise for me. It's kingdom reversal. In fact, the kingdom reversal often gets very personal. In this particular moment, uh, Mordecai is so uh, triggering Haman that he eventually, he eventually goes to his friends and says, the king's honoring me, it's incredible, I'm the prime minister, I've got his ring, I can do anything I want in the whole of the kingdom, but this guy will not bow down to him. So his wife tells him, Esther 5 verse 14, let a gallows be made, 50 cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it and go merrily on to the banquet that he's been invited to. God's got a plan, but the devil's got a scheme. And it's personal, and he wants to rob you of your faith, and he wants to rob you of your courage. Understand, when you understand this is the pattern of a but God lifestyle, a but God miraculous moment, you, you don't actually get discouraged by it. Yes, it's hard, but you actually take some courage and go, oh, I see what's happening. This is the scheme of the devil. My but God moment is coming up. Now, here we go. The third thing that we recognize in this is fasting and prayer pave the way for your but God moments. Fasting and prayer, 
It's not just a matter of, oh, wow, geez, I guess if God wants to do something, he'll do something. No, no, no. He calls us to stir up. In Esther chapter 4, this is what happens. Uh, Mordecai says, you know, Esther, you're going to die in the palace if you're, not, if you're not careful. All of us Jews are going to be destroyed. You need to do something. And he actually, this famous quote says, Who knows if you were not made queen uh, for such a time as this? And so she goes and says in verse 16, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it's against the law, I'll go and see the king. She could only go and see the king if she was invited. She could risk death by going to see him. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything. And they began to pray and to fast. Too often as Christians, we can get this idea or this thought that if it's God's will, it's just going to happen. If God wants it to happen, it will just happen. It's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is if God makes a plan and gives me a promise or gives you a promise, then he says, I'm going to partner with you through your persistent prayer and through your fasting to break open all of the demonic opposition to that plan so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus said, pray that way. That's why this year we've asked as a church to have Three seven-day periods of fasting. We've already done two. We've got one more. Starting not tomorrow, but Monday week. We're going to have seven days of prayer and fasting for supernatural breakthrough. For your family, for your prodigals, for your future, for your finances, for the, the things you're believing God for, for the dream, for the decade God's given us for a church. And over seven days, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray and fast. I'm going to ask you to join with us uh, from Monday to Saturday at 6.30 on, either on site for the Sunshine Coasters or online on Instagram, which will be 7.30 Daylight Savings Time. And we'll pray together each morning for half an hour. Uh, Sunny Coast will be on site for one hour, or only on site for prayer, 7 o'clock next Tuesday night. And we'll be praying and worshiping together and we'll be saying, God, do your will. Let there be supernatural breakthrough. Insert your but God into my situation. Fasting supercharges our prayers fasting doesn't change god fasting changes us it shifts the unbeliefs it shifts the blockages it gets mid rid of the things that are inside of us the apathy the the distraction the discouragement fasting although i hate it i love it my flesh hates fasting. I, I'm like, oh, do I really? I try and have some level of fasting on a regular basis in my life because the discipline of fasting is powerful. But I love it when we do it together because it's like we're all going to be in pain together. So let's do this and we're all going to pray and believe together. Now, you might never have fasted before. You might be early on in your church or Christian experience. We're going to put it up on our website this week, a, a little message I did about introducing the concept of fasting, a little interview I did, I think, with David Crowder about the breakthroughs he's had since he learned the power of fasting. You might want to do a, what I call a soft entry fast. Soft entry would be just to fast all media. So just to go, I'm not going to watch Netflix TV, not going to go on social media except for worship and preaching. I'm going to fast those things. And instead of doing those things, I'm going to worship and focus on God. That's a soft entry. 
uh, the next level would be, and if you've been a Christian six months, you can probably go to the next level. The next level would be going without food of some sort, whether it's, and that's not going without veggies and eating all the good, the other stuff. It's, it's, it's doing, going, uh, going without what you enjoy, sweets or soft drink or alcohol or coffee or meat or whatever it might be. There's so many different options for you and we'll put some info up on, the, on our website this week so that you can prepare to fast. It's going to be a powerful time together for us. I believe over these next 21 days, as we preach these three Sundays on But God, many people, you're going to actually get some, some lights are going to go on. And instead of sitting back and waiting, you're going to get on the front foot and see God do what only God can do. All right, how are we going? We're doing all right? We're doing good. All right, that's number three. Fasting and prayer pave the way for your but God moment. Number four is this. I love this. God's timing is impeccable. God's timing is impeccable. Now, God doesn't seem to be on the same wavelength time frame as you and I. The day is as a thousand years to the Lord. So sometimes when God says, I'm going to do something soon, what God thinks is soon and what I think is soon are planets apart. That's because he's not restricted to time. God, when I think in days, hours, and weeks, so often God thinks in months, years, and generations because he, do, he lives in eternity and he's not confined to our time. But I want you to know in spite of that, that his timing is impeccable. His timing, although he might appear slow, he's never late. In fact, he has a habit of leaving things to the last minute so he gets the maximum glory and you have to be in the maximum place of trust. I love this story of Esther chapter 6. That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records to the chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of a, of a plot to kill the king and had reported it to the king and had been found true. And he hadn't been rewarded. I'm just paraphrasing. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's servant who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court, the courtyard? And they said, Now Haman, oh, I love this, had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. I remember reading this in my one-year Bible earlier this year and writing this thought down. God's timing is impeccable. If he'd been a moment later, Mordecai would have been hung because Haman had the authority and power. Uh, Esther hadn't revealed the plot against the Jews and, and asked the king for his help. And so in this moment, God's sitting here and in the timeline that he's worked out, because remember, he's got a plan. God's like, now at this moment, okay, he's going to build some gallows that he thinks he's going to hang Mordecai on, but actually there's going to come this exact moment. And what I'm going to do at the right night, not a night before, not a week before. Come on, God, make it a little easier for us sometimes. You're stressing me out. It's just, if, you could, if you could have done that a month earlier, we would have all been able to chill for a month. He's like, that's not how I work. I'm, I'm into building your faith. I'm into you talking to me. I'm into this relationship, this strengthening right now. And so he, he gets him at exactly the moment. And yeah, okay, angel, no sleep for the king tonight. Go on, just keep banging his bed. 
goes to lie down, can't sleep, bang his bed again, make it hot, make it cold, disturb him. Just, and so he gets up and goes, make him get this thought to, to read through the old chronicles of the kingdom. And he reads through it at exactly the same moment. And then in the morning, exactly at the right moment, his plan turns against him. And, he, and basically says to Mordecai, I says to Haman, what should I do for someone who's amazing? And Haman thinks he's talking about him. So he says, get the king's highest person. Lead them on, a, on, a, on the king's own horse through the streets of the city, proclaiming, this is what the king does for those who honor him. And he goes, genius, go and do that for Mordecai. I love it. God's timing is impeccable. He might feel like he's, just, he's way out of time. He's not out of time. He's, he's going to come through for you if you stay in faith in the right moment, if the devil doesn't steal the promise from your heart. God has a habit of suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. Two years ago, uh, Danielle and I, after a year of praying specifically into our finances, we had a deadline coming. We, God had led us to buy a miracle house. Uh, we'd been on interest only for two years and we had a deadline coming where we'd be going to principal and interest. Uh, we, had a, we had a property that was costing us money that was empty that we couldn't sell, an investment property. We tried to sell it for 12 months. We had a whole other sort of things. My business from the moment I declared to the church that we're going to sell rainforest drive and power road the moment i declared it my business went began to spiral lost a hundred thousand dollars in the next 12 months god has a plan the devil has a scheme we began to pray every day and we've been praying every day for a year and there'd been no sign or no shift but god gave us a promise and the promise was this that your your uh, i will bless your holy homes your homes on my holy hill and in the proper season i will send showers of blessing so we just began to pray every day. We're reminding ourselves our proper season is coming. The right timing is coming. The Kairos moment is coming. We got to holidays this time two years ago, and we were, we were under that much financial pressure. We just said, until God breaks through, we just have to do everything we can to manage our circumstances. No more buying coffees out. No more going to the movies. No more eating out. We just had to cull everything back. It, the, the pressure was real. It was, it was in our heads, it was on our minds, it was, it, was, it was straining. But we had a promise from God. So we just said, until that happens, we'll do this, but we will not stop believing. Sometimes you've got to live in the tension of the promise and the current reality, and you've got to manage the current reality, but you've got to keep your focus on the promise. You've got to turn the telescope around. Instead of putting the telescope on your problems, you've got to turn it around the other way and shrink your problems and put your telescope on God and magnify the Lord. It's a choice that you make. It's hard work. It's discipline. That's why being with God's people in an atmosphere of faith, hearing stories of breakthrough, keeps your faith high in that particular moment. And so we did this, and then suddenly, we had a suddenly. Suddenly, the house sold one day. Uh, and in fact, actually, we had an all-night night of prayer and fasting. Woke up the next morning after a big sleep in and got told we had an offer on the house. We, were, we went through the, the roof. This is exciting. It fell over in the next two weeks. Things got worse. Our oven broke down. Things got worse and got worse. But then about a month later, we got a, a proper contract on it. And what it did, it began the trigger of an unlocking of financial blessing that has still been going for the last two years. 
God takes a long time to move suddenly. We've seen, in every area I talked about, we've seen turnaround after turnaround after turnaround, and it's been amazing. Which leads me to the last point. Number five in the principle of breakthrough, God takes the enemy's schemes and he causes them to backfire. I know I've taught us the principle of kingdom reversal, but today I want to teach us the principle of kingdom backfire. Kingdom backfire is where the devil planned this, God turned it around and it backfired on him, and God used that which he planned against you for his purpose and for his kingdom. Haman built a gallows for Mordecai to be hung on. And in a moment of turnaround, in his suddenly moment, actually Mordecai ended up hanging Haman on the gallows that he built for him. When, when the enemy came against Jesus and the devil said, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to destroy him, he's the son of God, I've got a scheme to take him out, and he crucified him and had him buried in the ground, the enemy sat down and goes, your beauty, our scheme worked. God's plan came to nothing. But God took exactly the weapon that was formed against Jesus, the cross. And He took it and He backfired it on Him. And since that moment, ever since the cross has been the power of God under salvation, what the enemy's weapon was became the tool. He made it a sword in your hand. I want you to know this. When you overcome something, you get an anointing for it. When you overcome something, you're, you're getting an anointing. Not just, not just was Mordecai's life saved, but he, was, he became the prime minister. You can read about it. And he, he, he put through new decrees that meant that the Jewish people were able to save their own lives, get more property. More people became Jews because he was the prime minister. More people began to follow God. When you overcome something, you get an anointing and an authority to overcome that for others. Some of you are going to help many people who have got struggling marriages. Why? Because you found God's way to overcome your issues and then God is going to use you with an anointing to help other people overcome. Some of you are overcoming anxiety and God is going to use you to help other people overcome anxiety. Some of you have been through bankruptcy and you know the pain of it and God is going to use you to minister to others who walk through that same journey. Whatever it is that the enemy's scheme is against you, God has a capacity to take it and make it your weapon. I love this thought. That what is the ceiling that you're hitting your head on now? You're trying to stand up. You're trying to believe God. You're just like, I'm hitting this wall. I'm hitting this wall. I'm hitting this wall. What the ceiling is becomes when you break through, when God gets involved and you have your but God moment. It will become the new level and platform for your future. I love uh, this story of Randy Clark, who's uh, used by God for healing around the world phenomenally. He said, for 25 years, I was seeing different things healed by God, but we prayed specifically to see those who were, who were blind healed. He said, for 25 years of praying for blind people time and time and time again, and not seeing them healed, and hitting that discouragement of not seeing anything happen. He said, one day, but God, one day we had a breakthrough. And as we broke through the previous ceiling, he said, in the next 
nine days, we saw 87 legally blind people healed in the next nine, in the next nine days went on to see that become a consistent mark of their healing ministry. What is it? That's, that's a suddenly. That's a persistence of hanging on to the promise from God. And then your ceiling becomes your new normal, your new level. Come on, can I pray for us today here right now? But God, but God, but God. Father, I'm praying for every person, for those who are watching right now online, their homes, their cars, lounge rooms, wherever they are. Praying for every person in this room. Praying for people who are listening to this podcast. And I'm asking that faith would rise today. Your timing is impeccable. Let us believe. Let us believe your promises. Let us believe your word. Bible says that you watch over your word to perform it. It will not return to you void without accomplishing that for which you sent it forth. Today, Lord, we grab the promise off the shelf. We believe you for who you are, a miracle worker. Although the enemy meant it for evil, but God worked it for good. As we come to fast next Monday, Jesus, for seven days, let there be a grace that comes upon us. As we join together in prayer on site and online, let there be a renewed fire for prayer. Breakthrough. Lord, above all, we pray that we'll see a harvest of souls coming into your house. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, I'm going to release all of our online uh, listeners right now. I'm going to hand you back to your host, uh, Pastor Teresa or Pastor Dan Frecker. And uh, look forward to seeing you tonight, 6 o'clock Queensland time, 7 o'clock Melbourne time or Daylight Savings time. Believe in God. Maybe tonight's your night for a suddenly or for a breakthrough. Can we put our hands together for all of our crew? God bless you. Thank you so much.